Welcome to They Didn't Teach Us That in Seminary, the Broadmoor Baptist Church of Baton Rouge podcast. sense that stewardship season, right? And our theme has something to do with baseball. In fact, I was going to see if Francisco could play, take me out to the, the ball game, but uh, I thought that would be going too far. 
All right. Well, stewardship comes from the word that means steward. And steward is someone who is a manager over a large household. The things that the steward, steward is manager of doesn't necessarily belong to him or her. It's someone else's property or possessions. They're in his or her care. And it's their job to take care of those things, of that household, carefully and responsibly. Responsibility was given to every person, each of us, in the beginning, in Genesis chapter 2. God tells the first humans, keep the garden. This is before they had sinned. Keep the garden. Keep it from what? No weeds yet, but keep the garden because of the threat of weeds and the threat of things that choke off life. And we could add pollution perhaps to that. Be stewards of my creation, of all that belongs to me. Use it, but don't abuse it. But by stewardship, we in the church tend to think of money, budgets, fundraising. It's fundraising time. It was fundraising time for a public radio recently. I listened to their fall pledge drive as much as I could. They interrupt the programs that you enjoy, you know. And you give because you care about those programs. Or you give because you really want them to end this fundraising part of their season soon. Their fundraising begins with a set goal, an amount they want to reach, and then they fundraise to reach that amount. Ours is a little different. Ours is more about what our folks pledge and promise, along with actual giving from last year. And we should add, the churches fundraise um, based on a measure of faith. Schools fundraise too. If you've graduated, you've gotten a call or a letter from your college, your grad school, your social club fundraises, nonprofits, foundations, your children fundraise from their parents. They're all asking for some of our money. And the one that gets the most reveals what we value the most. I think that's what Jesus is saying in Matthew 6, 21. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be. So at the end of the year, make a pie chart and divide it up based on how much you spend in different areas. Or you can do it by time as well. How much time you spend on different things. And the area with the largest piece of your time or your money is where your heart is. How big a piece of your pie is to the church? Now, these days in general, church gets um, a much smaller piece of the household pie. Majority of churches are doing more with less. And some do and do until there is nothing left to do with. And as a society, these days, church is less important to some less valued than it used to be. And we can see decline when we compare to the increases in value of sports, in health, the house, car, social life, entertainment, 
eating out, etc. Because it used to be church was where you got some of those things, especially the social life. In fact, a Pew survey in 2016 shows that one-third of the average household budget goes to entertainment, eating out, and clothing. One-third goes to transportation and health, and the final one-third goes to housing. Partly to blame is the housing cost has increased 50% since 1961, even more by some calculations. And of course, health care eats up a great deal. As you know, and household spending on health care has increased 40% since 2011. So these days, it just costs more to live, doesn't it? After paying our health care bills and housing, it's just much less to live on than there used to be. And yet, as our society becomes less religious, less tied to the institutional church, especially the traditional church, our budgets become smaller and smaller pieces of the household pie. Smaller by comparison, anyway. And as people become more spiritual and less religious, we say, we tend to give more to causes. Good causes, of course, like American Heart Association, Habitat for Humanity, Feed the Children. The average American household gives 4% to charitable causes. And sometimes part of those causes is the church. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And yet we demand more and more we want the best, don't we? The best product, best programming, best facilities, the best for our children. You see the conundrum. The Apostle Paul would call it a spiritual problem. He used analogies to help us understand what this means in 1 Corinthians 9, as we've heard from our children's sermon and our scripture reading. Paul likened the spiritual life to a race, to athletics. Now, they didn't have football back then. But he went with what he knew, their favorite, running. But I've chosen baseball for my stewardship analogy because, after all, it is World Series month. Dodgers and Red Sox, by the way. Go Red Sox. And because I believe that saying that says, as in baseball, so in life, that all the important things happen at the plate. Think about that. Tommy Lasorda, retired major league pitcher and manager of the Dodgers, says this, there are three types of baseball players, those who make it happen, those who watch it happen, and those who wonder what happens, right? Which one are you? Those who make it happen are the ones in the game. Before you can win a World Series or a Super Bowl or a marathon, you have to get in the game. And how do you know it? How do you know if you're the one who makes it happen or the one who watches it happen or wonders what's happening? Let base-stealing King Ricky Henderson put it this way. If my uniform doesn't get dirty, I haven't done anything in the baseball game. Is your uniform dirty? But no one could have explained it better than President Teddy Roosevelt. Listen to how he explains it. 
It is not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done better. The, cr the credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes up short again and again because there is no effort without error and shortcoming. But who does actually strive to do the deeds? Who knows great enthusiasms, the great devotions, who spends himself in the end in triumph of high achievement, and who at the worst, at the worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who neither know victory nor defeat. Cold and timid souls. Or those who strive to do the deeds, who even if they fail, at least they fail daring greatly. The critic isn't in the game. The observer doesn't get his pants dirty. The spectator doesn't know the great enthusiasm or the great devotion. Don't you know that in a race all runners run, Paul says. He likens our spiritual life to athletics. And there's no room for critics or spectators or observers down on the track or on the field. Runners run. Players play. Christians on the sidelines he says, in Hebrews, are those that have finished the race. But those of us who are alive are still in it. We're called to be runners, not walkers or bystanders, but running to win. I've already heard some trash talking about our trunk or treat competition this Wednesday night. Well, those who want to win that coveted trophy, it lights up, by the way. You didn't see that. Those who want to win that coveted trophy will put in a great effort. They'll get their pants dirty. They'll strive, and they'll know the great enthusiasms and the great devotions. And if they fail, at least they'll fail daring greatly, not in the company of cold and timid souls. If you're going to run, run to win. If you're going to swim, swim to win. If you're going to play, play to win. If athletics is that important, how much more is the spiritual race? But Christian life is a team sport. We run as a team. We serve as a team. We give as a team together. It takes everyone to run this race and to win. Back in the 80s, I loved the Lakers. Favorite basketball team. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar was one of my favorites. Six-time NBA All-Star. Six NBA championships. And he puts it this way. One man can be a crucial ingredient on a team. But one man cannot make a team. We run, we serve, we give as a team. One person does not a church make. 
We need everyone invested and engaged in this race. Consider this for a moment. Consider for a moment what this church could be if every person were serving and giving just as you. Think about that. If every person in the church were serving and giving just as you. Do you think the Red Sox or the Dodgers would be in the World Series if just two or three of their team members were invested and engaged? As someone once said, it's not the team with the best players that win, it's the players with the best team that win. So consider what this church would be if every person's giving and serving was just like yours. If that's a good thing, because you are already exceedingly generous, thank you. Keep leading. Keep experiencing the blessings of God. As Proverbs 11, 25, 26 says, a generous person will be enriched in every way. Put that to the test. But for the rest of us, who knows there is room to grow, I'm challenging us today to draw upon our deepest desire to honor God with our giving. Let's step up by starting up. After all, winning starts with beginning. We can't cross the finish line until we've crossed the starting line. We can all step up to the plate, starting now. And if you aren't giving anything, step up to the plate today. Get in the game. You can't cross the plate at home unless you've stepped up to the plate. No guilt, just encouragement. After all, as my home pastor used to say, and when he pointed fingers at us, if I'm pointing a finger at you, I've got three pointing back at me. So if you aren't giving, you can give today. There's a number of ways we can give. Putting it in the plate as it's passed, or automatic bank withdrawals, or giving online, or calling a church office to see what a more convenient way would be. We don't have to be in this room to give. Some join us to worship by social media. Those folks can give as well. And I know the Bible's standard for giving is 10%. 10% of gross income. But if you're giving 2%, maybe give 3 or 4, maybe 5, or maybe an actual tithe just for the month, perhaps, October, November. And see for yourselves if it's true what Proverbs 3, 9 through 10 says, and honor the Lord with your wealth with the first fruits of all your crops, then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. Now, if that isn't motivation enough, I don't know what is, even for Baptists. Barns will be full, vats full of wine. Some of us give on a regular basis, but maybe we're behind on our pledges. Maybe this is time to catch up. 
Or maybe you stop paying attention to giving due to some personal tragedy or due to some of our challenges this past year. It's time to turn from the past and turn forward to step up to the plate, to get in the game and win, to dare bravely. We're Christians. What have we got to lose? Christ already lost all that has to be lost and will be in order for us to win that imperishable prize. So maybe you're excited about the future and what God can do. I have discovered that when we predict the future for good or for bad, we create a self-fulfilling prophecy. If we look ahead and we see we're down a few runs and we say, we're going to lose this game. Do you know what? We're going to lose this game. Self-fulfilling prophecy. We tend to live into the predictions we make. And a generous offering is a good first step toward winning. A big step at the plate. We have to try and give it our best. And if we lose, we fail by daring greatly, not as the cold and timid soul. Now Jesus doesn't say, where your heart is, there will be your treasure also. That's what we say. We say start with the emotions. Start with how we feel. If we feel like it, we'll give. Jesus knew we'd do that. So he says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be. In other words, start with your treasure, with your money. Start there, and the heart will follow. Maybe we say, but I gave last week, last month, last year. But just as we can't live, on, live today on yesterday's faith, in the words of baseball legend Babe Ruth, yesterday's home runs don't win today's games. You may remember me telling you about my wife's grandparents. I shared with permission their personal story. They were young. They were in love. They had been dating for some time. And finally, when the day arrived, he popped the question. He said, sweetheart, I need to ask you a question. Okay, she said. What is it? Sweetheart, do you believe in tithing? True story. Well, she wasn't expecting that. And she said, well, I don't know. What is it? He said, well, tithing is giving 10% of your income to the Lord. And she replied, oh, okay. Yes. Well then, sweetheart, will you marry me? They did. God has richly blessed them for their faithfulness. They practice what Maya Angelou writes. I've learned that you shouldn't go through life with a catcher's mitt on both hands. You need to be able to throw something back. I don't know what you should do. That's between you and God and you and your sweetheart. I suspect it's more than we think we can. But how will you know unless you take a step up in stewardship and see? But know this. 
all the important things happen at the plate. Pray with me, please. Oh God, we love this place. We didn't choose to be born. We didn't choose to receive the sunshine, the birds and flowers, the varieties of food and flavors, the varieties of colors, the stunning beauty. We didn't deserve to experience such depth of love. Many of us don't deserve these each and every day, and yet they're given to us. We're blessed by being born. Help us, God, to dare bravely to each of us your calling to give and to serve. Help us not be faithful to the ministers as much more we are faithful to God. In Christ we pray. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to They Didn't Teach Us That in Seminary, the Baltimore Baptist Church of Baton Rouge podcast. Please like, review, and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or YouTube. If you have any questions, please submit them through the Anchor app. Or join us on Sunday mornings at 10.30 a.m. right in our own Broadmoor Baptist Church in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Otherwise, I hope you have a good week.